Have you ever wondered how servant leadership really works? Well, on this episode of the 11th Thing podcast, I will be exploring all this and more with my special guest, leadership coach, John Antonucci. My name is Paul Aladinika, and you are listening to the 11th Thing podcast. Welcome to episode four of the 11th Thing podcast. Our discussion in this episode will build on the previous episode, which focused on the nine principles of exceptional leadership. Okay, so here's what you can look forward to. I'm going to start by introducing my special guest for this episode, John Antonucci. Then I'm going to dive straight into the subject matter of servant leadership and invite John to draw on his experience. And finally, I'm going to invite John to summarize some of the key takeaways for listeners. Now, on this episode of the 11th Thing podcast, I have the pleasure of introducing John Antonucci, who's going to be walking us through the concept of servant leadership. John is a leadership coach, trainer, consultant, and founder of the Servant Minded Leadership Consultancy. He has two decades worth of leadership experience. He has an inspiring personal testimony and a deep passion for developing dynamic leaders who are equipped to change the world. So, John, a very warm welcome from me. Uh, you've made it to the 11th Thing podcast, so congratulations for that. How are you? Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a privilege to be here, and I am doing very well. Thank you so much for asking. Excellent. Okay, John, so let's let's dig into your knowledge and lived experience of, of servant leadership. So from your perspective, I'm really keen to find out what is servant leadership? How, how does it work? Why does it matter to you? And why do you think anyone else should care about it? Yeah, I think as far as what it is, we'll go into detail on this more you know, later in the podcast, but servant-minded leadership is, is really just the understanding that leadership has absolutely nothing to do with a title or a position, but really it's a, a unique opportunity to serve another human being because of the position one is in. Mm-hmm. And it matters because I believe that's really the only true way to genuinely inspire and, and make a real impact in the world. Uh, there, there's a lot of businesses, there's a lot of businesses that succeed, there's a lot of businesses that fail. Uh, but I believe that servant leadership and having a mindfulness of that is really the only thing that can outlast any business success. The legacy that is left is so much bigger than the business that takes place. And so uh, as far as how it works, it's, it's really just the practice of empowering a team, empowering your team and serving their best interests, which I will also go into more detail in a little bit, but to wrap up this kind of introduction and answering your question, you know, why does anybody care? <laughs> why does this even matter? Uh, I would refer you back to why it matters that I said a second ago. It's the only way to, to really leave a, a legacy. Um, but if you want to be an effective leader, if that's really a goal that you have in life, I believe you should care about the form of leadership that has always made the most dynamic impact. And if you go down throughout history and you look at the leaders that have made a positive dynamic impact, it was always leaders that understood this concept of yeah. servant-minded leadership. It was, it was never the brutal ones. It was never the warriors. Those people made their mark. But when you look at the people that we revere, the people that made a lasting positive impact, it was always these former leaders. And if that's something someone wants to do, making a positive, lasting impact, leaving a positive legacy, I think that uh, this is a great way to do it. 
That's really interesting, John. And, and what's been your particular introduction to servant-minded leadership? I mean, what, how have you come to it? And, and what, what was your epiphany, if you like? You know, that is such a fascinating question because there's, I was talking to a, a director a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about his epiphany and he had some, some great stories of two specific characters in his life uh, that really just opened his eyes to the idea of servant leadership. And I don't have one of those moments. It, it's remarkable. I, I think that it happened gradually over time. And I think for me, my leadership journey began when I was very, very young. Uh, I, I was 12 years old when I stepped in front of my first class to teach it in an impromptu way. Uh, it was martial arts. And, uh, we were waiting on the instructor to show up and he didn't. And the parents of the class came to me and said, we think you should teach. And I was like, oh, no, no, I, I can't do that. I'm not the instructor. I'm not old enough. I don't have the highest rank. I had all sorts of reasons. And they said, well, well, we're paying for the class. We want you to teach. And so I did. And at 12 years old, I stepped in front of the class. And so I don't think it'll surprise any of your listeners to, to know that uh, I made a lot of mistakes as a young leader. I made a ton of mistakes and, and did it the wrong way for a long time because, quite frankly, I didn't want the responsibility of leadership. Mm. I wanted the position. I yeah. wanted the accolades. I wanted maybe even the money yeah. of these positions. And so for me, like there was a journey, and, and I'm not really sure when I first began understanding what real leadership is. But what I could probably tell you is when I know it started to manifest. When I recognized, hey, I'm going to do this differently because of whatever happened, whenever it happened, <laughs> uh, it, it changed the way I do leadership. And and I don't know if you have, if you want to clarify anything I've said so far before I kind of get into my personal story, because I think that has a lot to do with my journey and how I came to begin implementing these ideas. No, John, I think I think you've covered it really, really well. I think there's one thing I probably will want to pick up later on sure. which is the which is this idea of the whether or not um whether or not there is a risk sometimes that servant leaders focus perhaps too much on the service and not enough on the leadership or whether mm. servant and leadership are mutually inclusive it would be interesting to get your thoughts about that as well absolutely yeah uh, it, i would be delighted to engage that would you like to do that at this point or do you want yes. to move that yeah, yeah, yeah. great yeah, so it's interesting. I think that people do have that exact issue. I've actually had people tell me, comment on things that I've posted, that you, you can't be a leader if you want to be a servant. Leaders have to be strong. Leaders have to not care. Leaders have to be visionary and, and, and focused. And, and I think that people that feel that way are missing the reality of what it means to be a servant. And I personally believe in what I call love-based servant-minded leadership. And Love, I think, is actually probably where people get off because they don't, mm, not usually, I should say, not usually do they understand what real love is. Real love is seeking the best interest of another person. One of the companies that I'm working with right now recently had a scenario where uh, they really, really wanted to uh, do some promotions and, and, and get some people moved into a position. And there was a, a particular individual that you know, obviously wanted a promotion. And I was working with this group and, and I, I voiced my piece. I said, I don't think that this individual should be promoted. 
And of course, the, the individuals that were advocating for the promotion indicated, well, you know, why not? And this isn't going to be fair. And he's going to be angry. And, and I said, well, here's the deal. It's not, I'm not mad at this individual. I'm not uh, upset with them. My issue is we are not doing her a service. We are not serving her well to promote her because he is not prepared for this promotion. And so what I want to clarify is that being a servant leader does not mean that we are giving everybody everything they want. It does not mean that we have no spine and we just do whatever anybody asks that's on our team. It means that we are genuinely striving to seek their best interest. In the scenario I've just described, sure, we could have promoted her, but that would have been debilitating to her own self-esteem. She would have failed over and over and over again. It would have been debilitating to the company who is now paying a higher wage, and that's not responsible, especially in the economy the way it currently stands. Yeah. Uh, it would have been debilitating to the rest of the team's uh, morale because when you uh, oblige a lower performer at the expense of higher performers, it, it doesn't work. And so yeah. when I say servant leader, what we're not saying is do whatever anybody asks. What we are yeah. saying is it's not about you. Yeah. It's about the health of the team. It's about the health of the vision and the mission. And you're serving your team because as we serve our teams, they have the ability to most impactfully and most efficiently serve the vision of the mission. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, what I'm getting, what I'm hearing are some really strongly grounded principles and values that drive servant leadership. Yes, absolutely. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so John, so, so let, again, let's dig a little bit deeper. T tell us about your experiences now. Sort of, you know, you know, why, why does it matter to you? You know, you, you, you were going to go into, you know, your own personal testimony. Let, let's let's hear that. Yeah, absolutely. So. I, like I said, I started in leadership very young, uh, 12 years old. I stepped in front of my first class. I was involved in, in a church at that time. And, um, by the time I think I was 15, I was officially the assistant instructor. By the time I was 17, I had my own martial art classes. And by the time I was 19, I was, uh, I had over 500 martial arts students. I was coaching several soccer teams. I was on the HR uh, team for the company that was kind of doing all these sports and, and, and programming for, for kids. That's so I was, I, yeah, I was, I was changing lives. I mean, I was out there training instructors and, and going out and training the students and uh, operating in varieties of leadership positions, uh, including in the church, in the, in the, uh, in the city, in the, in the context of the classroom. I mean, just everywhere. But I wasn't actually a servant. It was all about me. And despite amazing opportunities for leadership, what I did not yet have was the maturity to actually back that up. And uh, to make a very long story short, I am an open book. If anybody wants to reach out to me, I have no problem sharing more details. But for the purpose of this podcast, I'll just say that at 19 years old, I made a very foolish decision. And that foolish decision wasn't just like, a, oh, man, shouldn't have done that. It, it, it was so foolish, it cost me uh, years of my life in prison. And that will wake somebody up. When you're 19 and you've got the world as your oyster and you think you're pretty hot stuff and you're in all these forms of, of leadership and then all of it gets taken away, you have to do some really hard internal evaluation to decide what went wrong. And, and I, I quickly realized what went wrong was me. It was within me. I had character issues. I had problems that needed to be addressed. 
And I think that, you know, you asked when I kind of had the epiphany. I don't, I can't point to a specific moment, but I do believe it was in that journey of self-discovery and recognizing that the problem was me. The problem wasn't the law. The problem wasn't uh, the people that I went with. The problem wasn't the jail. The problem was me. And understanding that and gaining insight about taking responsibility for one's choices and their consequences and understanding how to engage with others really started to formulate how I led and probably won't surprise somebody if I was able to lead pre-prison. During prison, uh, I was also able to lead. And, and after I had addressed my personal issues and Granted, I'm still on that journey. I don't think I've arrived, but I was able to address some of the major ones at least. Once I was able to do that, opportunities to serve started to manifest. And during my time in prison, I was involved again in the church, and I was actually a, a, a unit pastor at one point, on a couple units. I was involved with fundraising committees. I was involved with educational things. And, yeah. and, and my legacy in the Department of Corrections uh, here in the state of Arizona is that I helped build something known as IPP, which is the Inmate Peer Program, which is basically an entire department that facilitates, provides, creates. Uh, it, it just does everything to try to give good, solid programs and activities to those that are incarcerated who want to leave that life of crime behind, that want to do something better with their life. And so I had the privilege and opportunity of not, not just being a part of that, but writing the curricula, developing the leaders that uh, actually put that curricula out. And that was really where I started to manifest servant-minded leadership. I can think of a, of a couple of of. Uh, opportunities, I guess, where it really came into play. One of them was when I stepped in front of a class of people, I was offering a class that was mandated by the state. And whenever a class is mandated by the state for criminals, um, rebellion comes out. <laughs> That's just kind of the, the natural way yeah. things go, I think. And uh, so I stepped in front of this class of about 15, 20 guys, and none of them wanted to be there. And I just <laughs> very often, authentically said, guys, I know you don't want to be here. I know you got a little notice today that said you have to be here or you're going to get written up, but I'm here because I love you. Yeah. I'm not getting anything. And I wasn't, I wasn't getting extra pay. I wasn't getting extra food. There was no motivation whatsoever for me to be in front of that room other than a desire to help. And I was able to witness in front of me 15 to 20, pretty hardened criminals. These were individuals that were doing significant sentences uh, of, wow. of incarceration. And I was able to watch them soften and realize this guy cares. And I, I don't know, I haven't done any polls, but I, I genuinely believe that if you were to survey the individuals that I worked with or around when I was incarcerated, I don't think there'd be a single one that said, oh, John didn't care. John was just doing that for, you know, his position or whatever, because for the most part, there was no benefit. There was no benefit to me at all. Um, it was just to serve. And I remember going into one particular unit. I had been moved to that unit as a part of reclassification, which is where you go from one custody level to another. And I saw that they already had some programming. And that was exciting for me uh, to come to a unit where they already had some programming in place. Unfortunately, I also noticed that it was it was lacking in a lot of ways. And so I met with the team that was that was a part of that. And I, I basically just 
brought what I felt was value. I said, hey, guys, this is my experience. This is what I've done for the last X number of years. And uh, I would love to help if you guys would allow me to do that. Um, and, and kind of much to the chagrin of some of the inmates that were a part of it, the, the staff members that were in charge were just thrilled. And so they basically, within a matter of weeks, had put me in charge of that entire department. So I had about 11 guys working for me at this point, and we're putting out massive amounts of information and classes and, and activities. But I've got a team that I've just rocked the boat. I've just come in and I've completely changed things and, and I've got a different vision and they've been perfectly happy to kind of just coast along. And once again, servant leadership was a, was, was a determined effort. It wasn't just like, ah, oh, we'll see how it goes. I walked in and I said, I'm going to serve this group first. And then I'm going to try to serve this unit. And so I did. I spent the first probably two weeks doing nothing but just spending time with those that were already a part of the program, hearing their heart, understanding what they were passionate about, trying to align their passions with the classes we were asking them to facilitate, um, trying to remove them from situations that were, that were making them miserable, and demonstrating that I was there not because of any other reason than other than I cared. John, 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 yeah, go ahead. John, John, it's really interesting. Just sorry to interject. I mean, what, one of the things that's come across really, really clearly in your in your presentation is that you know there there are two key things that I'm getting. The first thing yeah. is obviously your self awareness, being self aware enough to know that you need to be on a different leadership journey. And then in terms of in terms of your in terms of your leadership when you were incarcerated, the authenticity because people don't connect. People won't connect if you're not authentic, will they? That's right. That's absolutely right. And it's really interesting because in the previous podcast, there's sort of the nine principles of exceptional leaders. The key, well, two of the key ones that, that I picked out were, were self-awareness and authentic, authenticity. And they seem to be the two, two of the key things that you're highlighting in your, in terms of your own journey of servant, servant minded leadership. I don't believe you can be authentic unless you are self-aware. And I don't believe that you can truly love another unless you are self-aware enough yeah. and authentic enough to know yeah. who you are. Yeah. Uh, those that don't, I don't want to. I don't want to be on the negative train. But those who don't take the time to become self-aware and to be authentic with others, what they'll end up doing is projecting their own internal insecurities onto yes. those that they're trying to serve. Absolutely. And they end up, yeah, they end up shooting themselves in the foot because they make erroneous assumptions and often actually leverage blame against others because they're not self-aware to uh, self-aware enough to see where that resides within themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and then John, in terms of, I mean, you, you know, in terms of the impact, because for me, again, another, another key element of exceptional leadership is, is legacy. It's the impact. Yeah. It's the difference yeah. it makes. It's how it affects people. I was thinking about this earlier as we were prepared, as I was preparing for the podcast that you can be successful in leadership by acquiring a title or status or standing or power. But you only become significant when you leave a legacy, when you change or impact people. Yeah. Um, that that's you know that's significant. So you know, in terms of servant leadership, in terms of your lived experience of it, and in terms of your journey, how has how has how has how have you been able to impact people? How have you been able to demonstrate significance? Well, I think first of all, you have to be concerned, or I have had to be concerned, less with, am I making an impact, and more with, am I being faithful in this moment? 
Um, sometimes yeah. the more you try to make an impact, the less impactful you are because you can't actually yeah. control whether or not the other person is impacted. Yeah. You're, you, you can be impactful, but not necessarily able to control whether they are impacted. Yeah. So just being faithful in the moment, I've had the privilege in the last, uh, I'd say about three months to take several people out to lunch that I had been incarcerated with. Um, I've been out for a couple of years now, but these, you know, as other individuals get out, they, you know, they, they connect with me and, and whatnot. And it's always meaningful because there's always a, a thing in the back of my mind that says, you know what? I don't know if I've succeeded, but I do know that at the end of the day, I want to be able to put my head on the pillow knowing that I did my best to serve, to love and to make a dynamic impact. That's great. And it's been so meaningful and so rewarding to hear from individuals now years later as we sit across the table enjoying a meal and as they share, you know what, when I was at that moment, it was you that helped guide me through that. When I was dealing with this thing, you, the class you gave helped give me tools for success. Now I'm out and here's what I've done to implement the things that you shared and you taught. And it's in those moments that I'm just humbled and I stand before God and I just thank you. Thanks. Thanks for allowing me to be used um, because there's just no guarantee it's going to happen. But I think if you're willing to just be faithful in the moments uh, that that's going to make a big, big difference. That's so true. And I, yeah, for me, that is impact. <laughs> you know, people yeah. may not remember what you, what you said, but they will always remember yeah. how you made them feel. I think it's, it's a really important thing to remember about, about, about leadership. And just in terms of servant-based leadership, and I know that you, you sort of uh, touched on this earlier mm -hmm. on, the, the, the principles and the methods are transferable. They, they are, you know, they can be used in big business. They can be used in small organizations. They, they can be used in any setting. Isn't that right? Absolutely. I gave a, a keynote address probably... Uh, a couple of months ago, and, and I, I got to a point and I said, you know, guys, these are absolutely applicable no matter what form of leadership you are in. And I, I kind of just went down the line. I said, if you're a CEO, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it was the, the same four principles on in this you know, address. I said that you need to love, you need to be available, you need to listen, and you need to find the yes. So those were the four principles that I talked about in that speech. And I said, so if you're a CEO, love, be available, listen, find the yes. And I said, if you're a mid-level manager, love your people, make time for them, listen to them, and find the yes. And then I said, if you're a parent, you're leading your child, love them, make time for them, listen to them, and do your best to find the yes. So yeah, these are absolutely transferable principles. And I'll say whether you are in a formal position of leadership, or you're just simply the guy that people tend to come to, or the woman yeah. that people trust. If you will employ these strategies, your leadership impact will be much greater than anyone that has a title, but that does not actually employ these strategies. Mm, mm, I completely agree. And one thing that would be interesting to get your thoughts on, John, is that why do you think it is that more people don't adopt the principles of servant leadership? It, it, it's, you know, if you speak to, I think most people get the concept of servant leadership but it isn't attractive as other forms of leadership where, for example, the leader is uh, less about serving and more about, well, less about serving others and more about serving themselves. Yeah, I think, 
I think you have two different things. I think some people genuinely just don't even understand that. Uh, I see that a lot in the the clients that I'm trying to serve with the frontline and mid-level leaders. They've never been informed. They've never been trained on what it means to serve. All they know is that being the boss means you get to tell people what to do. And that's uh, that's their genuine perception. So I think there's, yeah. there's partly an education issue, which is a problem I'm trying to solve. But in addition to that, it really goes against our basest nature. Our base nature is very selfish. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Um, our, our base nature says, I got to look out for me. Now, here's the funny thing. Servant leadership actually aligns with that. Because if you truly know how to serve, you, you get so much more done. Your agenda is going to go so much further. But... But it really requires a heart that says, I'm going to put others above myself. And people, I find there's basically three categories of people. Um, and there's probably more, but if I you know, generalize, there's three categories of people. Category one is the people that have never heard of this, don't understand the concepts. Category number two are the people that do understand the concepts. They might even like the concepts, but they're just not willing to put the work in. They're, they're, they're too goal-driven to realize that they're sabotaging their own goals. They, they're the, uh, the individual that says, I don't have time to sharpen my axe. I'm too busy cutting down this tree. And then you have the individuals that, that genuinely want to and take the time and energy and invest even the money into becoming servant leaders. Those are the, the three that, that are kind of there. Now, are there people that don't even believe in servant leadership? They think it's a ridiculous idea. Of course, but I tend to think those are the individuals that don't actually understand it. <laughs> those are people that, that hear the term and, and assign their own understanding or their own definition to the yeah. term. Uh, I've gotten some comments, some interesting comments as I have started to gain more followers and, and more, more exposure on LinkedIn, which is where I'm doing a lot of my social media work. Yeah. Um, I'm getting some people that will comment on my posts and, uh, it's fascinating. I mean, people that, that are very high up in organizations, CFOs and, and things like that. And they're just like, this is ridiculous. You can't be a servant leader and succeed. What are you even talking about? And I'm yeah. just like, man, I, I sure, I, I sure feel bad for your staff. I, I really <laughs> do it. And, and I'm guessing the staff feels bad. So they're probably leaving in droves and they probably have to replace people all the time. Yeah. So, John, in the, in the time remaining, you know, when I relate your points back to the sort of the nine principles of exceptional leadership that I covered in the previous episode, I'm hearing yeah. tick, 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 tick. Yeah. Um, but in terms of takeaways for listeners, what would you say are the sort of two, three, perhaps four key points by way of takeaways for our, for our listeners? I, I think the first one I would just say is is learn to love your people. If, if you go to work irritated and and you know, frustrated with your teams or even maybe they report to you, maybe they just work around you, but love your people. Because if you can't love them, it's going to be really, really tough to want to serve them. Um, it, it actually, if you don't have a genuine care and a desire to see what's best for them, instead of defaulting to service, you're going to actually default to sabotage without realizing that that's what you're doing. You're going to say no a lot. You're going to uh, discount ideas. You may not be available or open. And, and it just really sabotages the entire thing. So the first one is, is just love your people. And if you don't, uh, I would say, ask yourself, why not? Why are they not worthy of love? You obviously want to be loved. And all of us have some form of a boss. Even if you're the CEO, the customers are your boss. <laughs> so we all have a boss. We all want to be loved. Why would we not extend that to our teams? 
And once you do that, then seek ways to serve them. There, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that, and not everything is going to look the same. Uh, although it's technically a romantic book, uh, Dr. Gary Chapman has that book, uh, The Five Love Languages, and he talks about you know different people receive love differently. And so when you're in leadership, you have different personalities that engage differently. And so the way you serve one may not be the best way to serve another. But if you're truly adopting these principles of servant-minded leadership, you are going to reach people where they are because that's what a servant does. A servant steps toward the other and doesn't yeah. expect the other to reach them. Yeah. Of course, part of that is drawing them, inspiring them. And so you're, you're giving them a hand up. You're, you're, you're yeah. bringing them with you up to where you are, not expecting them to figure it out on the climb. So you love them, you're seeking to serve them. And then as you serve them, what you're doing is you're empowering them to effectively serve others. There's a saying that I really like that says, you are not a leader until you have produced another leader who can produce another leader. And so as you serve your team, you are yeah. empowering them to serve others. And that's going to start probably with your team serving your external clients. That's, that's yeah. the most common kind of way. But, but it's going to also result in them being empowered to be leaders themselves yeah. and to help others on their journey. So yeah. they are to just distill it into three. Love your people, find ways to serve them, and inspire them to do the same. Wow, that's incredibly powerful. Um, thank you, John, for those really insightful takeaways. I have to say that as someone who considers themselves to be a student of leadership, I found the insights that you've shared in this episode a real education. So thank you very much for that. My and um, no, um, uh, John, you're going to say something very quickly. Oh, I just said my pleasure. You're welcome. Uh, and that's it for this episode of the 11 Thing Podcast. I'd like to once again say a big thank you to my special guest, John Antonucci. And John, before I close, um, if any listeners want to find out more about your work and how they can contact you, for example, via your website or via social media, uh, how can they do that? The quickest and easiest way is going to be to go to www.servantmindedleadership.com. That's servantmindedleadership, all one word, no dashes, no spaces, nothing like that. Servantmindedleadership.com is my website. You can also go to YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash at servantmindedleadership is going to be videos. I post three times a week, uh, short videos on leadership. And then that Servant Minded Leadership handle also works for Facebook and Instagram. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much, John. It's been my pleasure, sir. Thank you for having me, Paul. Finally, before I sign off, can I ask listeners to please share this podcast across your social networks? Please also check out the previous episodes of the 11th Thing podcast. And if you want to know more about the issues being covered in this series, head over to Believeonomics on YouTube and TikTok for a sneak peek. There are a range of videos there which I'm sure you will find really helpful. You may also want to check out Paula Latinica on medium.com where I post a new blog once a week. Thanks for listening.